You are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. So as I think about um, the scripture passage and this idea of love, it makes me think about weddings. And at weddings, I will often give the two people about to get married a little grammar reminder and talk about the word love. That love is both a noun and a verb. Early in a relationship, that's when the noun love tends to dominate. We feel love. We we, we fall in love, we experience that love, but as I like to remind people at a time of marriage that if a relationship is going to succeed and, and thrive, love needs to become a verb. Love needs to become something intentional and purposeful and deliberate in the way we treat one another. So here at Covenant, we try to, we, I think we recognize the noun-verb thing as well. We, we recognize the love of God We recognize how that love gives us strength, and we hear the call to love one another. Jesus was particularly clear in telling us to love our neighbors, to love our enemies, and Jesus was particularly clear focusing on people who were often unloved and forgotten and ignored, the lost, the least, and the last, if you will. And so that's part of our calling, to love the the, the world, to love the people out there, to do that hard work, to continue really what Jesus began. One way we make that love real in our church is through supporting mission partners with our hands, with our prayers, with our checkbooks, with whatever, in all sorts of ways. You've already heard about our connection with Guatemala. In a few minutes, you'll hear about our connection with domestic abuse intervention services, ways that we try to make this love of neighbor a reality. Well, in today's gospel reading, the assigned reading for the fifth Sunday of Easter, the teaching on love is a little bit different. It's a little more focused inward. It's not so much about loving those people out there, it's about loving one another, the people that we're closest to, perhaps. Context is always important, and it's very important with this reading. Immediately prior to the reading, we learn that Jesus is foreshadowing the betrayal of Judas. And immediately following the reading, we learn that Jesus is aware that Peter will deny him three times. So it's in that context that Jesus has some words for this community of disciples, the community that seems to be disintegrating with betrayal and denial happening. Listen for God's word from John's Gospel, chapter 13. When Judas had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I have said to the religious leaders, now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples 
if you have love for one another. Thanks be to God for the words of Scripture. So between the betrayal of Judas and the denial of Peter, that's not really a healthy recipe for building community in a small group of people. You've got these things going on. It's in that context that Jesus brings this love one another, teaching it to them, focused on that community to help them in the days, weeks, and years ahead. And I think that teaching is for us as well. I think the intention is for us to be mindful and intentional and purposeful about how we care for one another, how we treat one another. Taking care of ourselves, taking care of our community, that's part of our calling. Sadly, some churches focus almost exclusively on themselves and take this commandment to the extreme and become kind of isolated, insular communities that don't pay any attention at all to their neighbors. As with a lot of things, the challenge here is finding the right balance. Mission work with partners like Domestic Abuse Intervention Services in Guatemala, loving our neighbors out in the world, all sorts of ways is vitally important. And at the same time, we need to be intentional and purposeful about taking care of one another, about loving one another in the community. I'm glad that we have ways that we've done that. We have a prayer list that we encourage you to make use of every week. Um, Hard copies here. You can get an email copy through the church office um, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, people who are having a hard time for whatever reason. We also list the elders, deacons, and staff on the bulletin every week for information purposes, also with the hope that you might offer a word of encouragement, especially to some of those volunteer leaders who are doing such great things for this community. And we also pass the peace in worship, a way of looking one another in the eye or connecting with one another however we can to encourage and support one another and and remind one another that God's peace is indeed with us. So we do all these things to build the community. We try to make God's love real in our community. We try to heed the words of Jesus in John chapter 13 about loving one another. Now our world is filled, and our churches too, with people who are doing great things in the world. People who are sacrificially and courageously dedicating themselves to making this world a better place with their careers, with their volunteer time, whatever. We've got, you know, doctors and nurses, police and firefighters, peacemakers, social workers, clergy, religious leaders, you know, you name it. There's a lot of people with high aspirations out there to make this world a better place. A lot of volunteers doing incredible work. However, in my years, I've known a few of these wonderful people who are doing great things in the world that when you get to know them on a one-on-one basis, they're a little prickly, they're a little cranky, they're a little snippy, they're just a little unpleasant. Despite the good work they're doing in the community, they kind of come across as cold and rude in person. It's, it's, it's like they're putting all of their, their love energy into their cause or into their career or into their volunteer work, and they kind of forget about the people that are closest to them, the people in their lives, their friends and their family. And they don't have anything left at the end of the day for those people. And that's, that's kind of sad. I kind of wonder sometimes, how can this person be doing such great work in the world and be such a jerk to the people around them, right? Now, like I said, this is a very small minority of people, and maybe it's just, maybe it's just a day-to-day thing. I mean, in some ways, I think we all get like that. We all have bad days. Um, we all have moments when we 
you know, don't do that. I, I know there have been plenty of times when I've been so caught up in serving God and being a pastor and all that that I've not been the greatest husband or father in the world. So I think it's something that we all maybe struggle with, and I'm grateful for help in that struggle. One of my, one of my favorite resources in the world is this little book called A Diary of Private Prayer by a Presbyterian pastor named John Bailey. There's a daily uh, a morning prayer and an evening prayer for every day of the month. And the prayers in this book are deep and, and helpful. And there's a few paragraphs of the prayers that I think help with this particular situation. Um, one of the prayers specifically goes like this. Part of a prayer. It says, O spirit unseen, be with me today wherever I go, but also stay with me when I'm at home and among my family. Do not let me fail to show to those nearest to me the sympathy and consideration that you graciously help me to show other people. Do not let me refuse to show those who are closest to me the courtesy and kindness which I would show to strangers. Let charity begin at home today. It wouldn't make much sense to go on a mission trip or volunteer somewhere or write a big check or preach a fantastic sermon and then go home and be a jerk to your family, right? We try. We try. So we pray. And we look for good examples. One of our best examples in our lifetime is uh, good old Mr. Rogers. His kind and gentle and wise way of living has been a blessing to decades of people. I grew up watching him, and a lot of, a lot of us did too, and a lot of our kids did too. So Um, And after he died several years ago, I remember there was an interview. I tried to find it, but I couldn't find it. But I remember the general sense of the phrase. His wife was asked, you know, the reporter was kind of like, you know, okay, come on. (laughs) Is he really like that at home? And she just said, what you see is what you get, right? And everything we've learned about Mr. Rogers was that sense of authenticity, that sense of integrity, that sense of consistency, that that's who he was, that he lived that kind of kindness and graciousness in his professional life, in his TV life, and behind closed doors with his loved ones. It's like, I yearn for that kind of authenticity and sincerity and kindness in my own life and what, that I, what I say and what I do. And what a great example for us. And we need great examples right now because we're in a challenging time. Here we are in 2022. And I think our kindness and goodness muscles have atrophied a little bit over the last couple years with COVID, right? We've been in this sort of isolation from one another, limited face-to-face contact. We've lost some of our skills at being decent human beings with one another. So we really have to be intentional and purposeful about it as we come back together. So today, in the hope of welcoming life in all its fullness, of being resurrection people, of bringing the new life that God offers us in Jesus Christ into reality in ourselves, in our families, and in the world, I want to invite you to take a few minutes to think intentionally and purposefully about loving one another, especially about loving the people closest to you, whoever those might be. I want to invite you to join me in setting some intentions for yourself this week. So wherever you are, here in the sanctuary or at home, You know, take a deep breath, and if you'd like to, close your eyes. This will just take a minute or so. And I first want to invite you to think about the people that you work with, the people you go to school with, or the people that you interact with on a daily basis, people beyond your immediate family. 
Think about them and think about opportunities you might have to be kind and gracious. Maybe, maybe think of one person in particular, maybe someone who's having a hard time, maybe somebody that you've got a little friction with, perhaps. Think about that person and how you might be able to be kind and gracious to them, how you could support and encourage them this very week. Now, secondly, think about covenant or whatever faith community you're part of or you consider home or your spiritual support community. Think about the people in that community. Maybe one person in particular. Can you pray for that person? Can you reach out to that person with a word of encouragement or some compassion or kindness this week? And finally, think about your family, your loved ones, the people closest to you. For some of us, that's a spouse or children or parents. For some of us, that might be somebody who lives far away, someone that we have a close connection to. How can you be kind and gracious to that person this week? How can you avoid taking them for granted? How can you support and encourage them? Maybe you'll get the opportunity to ask the question, what can I do to make your day better? Take a deep breath. If you've got your eyes closed, you can open them. May these intentions help us, help us this week to make God's love in Jesus Christ real. And I'm far from perfect in any of these areas, which is why I need to remind myself on a regular basis to do these things. It's why I keep reading the Bible. It's why I'm glad to be part of a church community where we support and encourage one another and remind one another of how we're called to live. I've built some routines into my daily life to help me remember. Every morning I put on my wedding ring. And unless I'm super rushed or distracted or groggy or forgetful, I'll pray as I put on this ring and say, Dear God, help me to be a good husband and a good father. Just a little pause like that. I need those sorts of things to stay focused and stay on track. And when I gather with church people or read the Bible or say my prayers and I intentionally try to remember the love that God has for us, to remember the reality that God loves us, that gives me a little bit of strength or a lot of strength, depending on the day, to make God's love more real in my daily interactions, to be more loving, that I'm not doing it on my own, that God's love gives, gives us strength to love one another so we can be kind and patient with one another in all sorts of ways. So finally, I want to tell you about how last fall I had this great idea and thought of a book that my wife might like. So I bought a copy, wrapped it up, and set it aside to put under the Christmas tree. On Christmas morning, I opened a gift from my wife, and it was the book. And I thought, did I mislabel the gift? But then I realized that she had seen the exact same book and thought I would like it as well. So we had two copies of the same exact book under the Christmas tree, and the book is called, If God is Love, Don't Be a Jerk. (laughs) The subtitle being, Finding a Faith That Makes Us Better Humans. Now, full disclosure, I need to make it very clear. I do not think my wife is a jerk. <laughs> and as, I, as far as I know, as of at least you know, 11 o'clock this morning, I don't think she thinks I'm a jerk either. That might change after this sermon. I'm not sure. We'll see what happens. 
But the reason I bring this book up is because I, 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 I got it and I've been intending to read it. I have a lot of books. I, don't, I haven't read them all yet. Um, but I read a review of this last week in a magazine that I love, and it talked about what a fantastic book it is, so I'm going to get to it in the next month or so. But the review made reference to the last sentence of the book. Now, if this were like a mystery novel or a whatever, we wouldn't be reading the last sentence of the book, right? But um, it, it's okay, you know, no spoiler alerts necessary. The last sentence of the book is, is wonderful. It's on the screen. It says, for God's sake and for the sake of hurting, exhausted, scared human beings around us, if we accomplish only one thing with our remaining days, let's love one another. Friends, the good news of the gospel is that we are loved. We're beloved children of God, and we have abundant life, life in all its fullness. And this, this good news can help prevent us from being jerks. It can give us strength, and it can help us make this world a better place. Thanks be to God. Amen.